This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. We've spoken before about hypocrisy and mine specifically about capitalism. And the way we phrased it, Shag, was that I'm a socialist in the streets and a capitalist in the sheets. (laughs) And um, my version of saucy capitalism includes uh, having a moderately diverse investment portfolio. Oh, my God. What is going... Like, where are we going here? Jesus. And that investment portfolio includes um, ETFs, exchange-traded funds, which is essentially a way to spread risk across like a broad range of assets so we, you we are the have... sa- i'm sorry to interrupt we are the same mm. age and this is like this is another language this is blowing yeah. my mind keep going yeah, yeah yeah so it's a way for retail level consumers shag like you and i to get exposure to and section of the market so you might uh invest in an etf that approximates the nasdaq which is that like american technology um set of stocks And so essentially what that means is you've bought a very, very small piece of a fund that attempts to own a proportionate number of shares in all the businesses that form on the NASDAQ. Now, all of the ETFs I contribute to, and there's a number of them, are all like super socially responsible and like environmentally responsible. So you try to do your capitalism while not hating yourself quite as deeply. You know, you try to, yeah, it's like classic champagne socialist shit, right? Of like mm-hmm. classic yeah. latte, latte set socialist being like, oh, I'm doing capitalism, but I, I'm a good guy capitalist. It's fine. <laughs> and, um, of course, they're all in the shit uh, because mining companies are still the most profitable companies around and touchy-feely companies that deal with recyclable, sustainable stuff are making as much money as people who dig stuff out of the ground and burn it in machines. That's a way of saying that from time to time, pride comes before a fall. And Shag, there was this weird moment where uh, it was about April 2020 where everyone was like, fucking Zoom, most exciting company in the world. I wonder what they're going to come up with next. Let's all invest in Zoom. And, of course... Zoom were like, oh shit! Like we're just <laughs> like we're just a video conferencing thing. Like, we don't have anything else going on. <laughs> and of course, what they had to put out to the market was, oh yeah, guys, Zoom, don't even worry about it. We have got lots of stuff cooking. You know, basically, we're going to be Google. Like we are everything. So sit tight. And of course, what we've learned since is that. <laughs> Zoom are an okay, like, video conferencing software. Uh, and it was a classic example of pride before a fall. And, Shag, my pride's maintained. Even last week when we spoke about our hot streak ending, I was like, maybe it hasn't ended. Maybe we've just leveled up. Or perhaps, Shag, this is the pride that comes before a fall. And I'm a little bit torn as to whether to double down on us having elevated to a the rare air of sort of 
Michael Jordan 1992 93 level podcasting, and that's where we are. Or perhaps the fall's <laughs> just around the corner, and every every second we get closer. I didn't know Michael Jordan had a podcast in 92 93, but that's uh... if he has. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, while we're being like weirdly, deeply, unnecessarily personal, mm. I want to share <laughs> something I've discovered about fatherhood. And I discovered yes. it this week, right? Mm. And parents always do this fucked up. Like, I love it how we have to qualify all of our experiences. We're like, look, first of all, I'm a dickhead. <laughs> Second of all. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm, like, I'm just like you. I get it. <laughs> but, 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 okay. So, mm. parents always do that thing where they're like, oh, you'd never understand until you're a parent, right? And now I'm a parent, I'm like, oh, I totally get it. Like, you actually wouldn't understand because there's, like, a chemical change in your brain. But mm. one of the things that is different when you're mm. a parent is cuteness. And mm. I think I've worked this out, right? I think when you're not a parent, and, and I'm talking about, like, being a pet parent as well, right? When, yep. when you're not a parent. Oh, Shag, hang on. I've got a big heart and I try to be PC. No, no, Pete. We don't say pet parent, do well, we? No, like some people do They're it. a thing. They're an item. You're an owner, a possession. They can be bequeathed by will. You have such a big heart, but you have such a lawyer's heart when it comes to pets. And I think that's because your partner is a vet. And I think you see yeah. the world through like a lawyer and a vet's eyes when it comes to animals. Yeah, Okay. Okay, they're just a thing, Shag. Well, they are like, they're like a Furby. They're like a troll doll. No, they don't because, you know, science has proven that they experience mm. the love hormone that humans do when babies are born. I'm not sure if the studies have been done on troll dolls. Still, that, that might <laughs> so also that, be true. <laughs> you need a control for that experiment. Imagine how much oxytocin you need to make troll dolls. But, okay, so, no, no, but let me get to my point here, right? Mm. So, cuteness, mm. when... You're just exposed to something in, you know, whether like even if it's like a nephew or like, mm. you know, the kid of a friend or whatever, cuteness is static. You see them at that moment and you're like, oh, that's really, that's really amazing, right? Like how cute they look or how they're dressed or whatever. Yeah, like contextual. It's a moment in time kind right. of thing. When you're, mm. a, when you're a parent, you see them all the time. So that cuteness doesn't phase you. The cuteness that you see is fluid and exists in the fourth dimension. The cuteness you see is when they make those minuscule but visible to you jumps mm. in their development. That's the cuteness. It's like, oh, my God, mm. they use that word. That's adorable. Or, oh, my God, they've decided to dress themselves. That's adorable. Or, oh, my God, like mm. the way they approach this problem, how they wouldn't or the way I, they clearly problem solved then, right? Like cuteness as a parent is, it, is yeah. at that point. And golden child, uh, Adele, and, mm. Adele and our child, Mm. has been going through so many of these cute developments lately, one of which mm. is every morning, because Golden Child sleeps in their own bedroom now and sleeps mm. through the night, but every morning Lovely. Uh, mm. our morning times are dictated by when Golden Child wakes up. And mm. when they do, we hear, you know, maybe it's a yawn, maybe it's a bit of talking to themselves, mm. maybe it's just some scrabbling in the room, but eventually they pick up a few things. Usually it's a couple of toys. Recently, mm. it was both Grogu toys, so two Grogus, one under each arm, and they march into our room and have a little lie down in our bed oh, and so nice. march in with this big smile, this big expectant smile to be like, oh, golden child is the cutest. Number one, I woke up, but number two, can you believe it? I'm here. I'm going to get a new bed. 
Come, Charlie, Mama, Come that's it. Me. It's me. <laughs> guess, guess who it is? Like, like, and that's, a, and that, I mean, that's a, that is a good metaphor for parenting in that mm. you have a relationship and all of a sudden your relationship has this guest star that like, <laughs> that eclipses every, you in every scene. Like, every, and it's like, it's that proper sitcom, like open the door and there's applause and laughter when they walk in with their catchphrase. Anyway. What are so, they up to? Yeah. We're like, where are they? <laughs> Let's talk about them some more. So the other side to parenting, obviously, mm. is mm. constant fantasies about the worst things happening and what that would mean. Ugh. I've been watching a lot of The Last of Us, which has made me been, made me think about a potential post-apocalypse and mm. how people would survive. And I keep thinking about what it would mean to Golden Child and what would happen inside their head if they woke up on a normal morning had a look around, grabbed their dummies, grabbed their toys, marched into our room, oh and we just God. weren't there. That's pretty grim. Why are you thinking about does that? Well, have to- you, every, oh. you, you think about these worst-case scenarios, but not no, only I've that. I've only got one, but we don't have to. Oh, we can go into it here <laughs> if you want. I'm actually it. keen to hear what your worst-case scenario is. Uh, it's, I think I've stolen it from um, the 2010 Chris Nolan film where you drive off the edge of a bridge into the river, and essentially it's that. And you can't unlatch the seatbelt oh, of the child who's oh. underwater, and so oh, the van, the van you're in, or the car you're in, just slowly sinking, and you just can't get your finger out, and you're trying to fiddle and get the shoulders out, and one arm's caught or one hand's caught, oh. and oh, you don't have awful. good visibility because you're underwater, <laughs> and you're just like there, just there forever. You're just there oh, forever, stop. scrambling, stop. No. drowning, no. while you know, your child's dying in no. your hands because you can't get you can't get your oh. child out of the oh. safety chair. Oh fuck! All right, okay. Anyway, that's grim. Mm. Back to this one though. So I imagine I, I imagine Golden Child in our room, probably looking around, probably getting onto the bed to make sure that we're not there. Oh God, this is heartbreaking. Maybe looking under the bed, maybe looking around, calling out to us, still thinking because Golden Child doesn't really have the idea of bad things like this happening. Mm. So probably thinking, okay, where are mum and dad? Going into the kitchen, not seeing us there, going back into their room potentially going back to bed and sitting there and waiting. And that thought, that thought disturbs me more than any other thought. And it turns out a Canadian filmmaker, first-time filmmaker, has made an entire film from a child's perspective about that very fear. Peach, today we are doing the 2022 super-hyped, super-zeitgeisty film right now, Skinnamarink. And possession feels like it was a thousand years ago. <laughs> In this house. In this house. I often praise trailers, Jack, but this is a boring one. (laughs) Just wait till you hear about the film. (laughs) 
feel like Yoko Ono directed this in like 1971. <laughs> 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 uh, I do not super enjoy it. just like let's make the movie look shit. That's okay. I'd rather, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's nice to look at stuff that looks nice. It's really true. Mm. All right. Okay. A few things about this film before we begin. First of all, mm. Skinnamarink is a kid song. You might remember it. The version I know is the Wiggles version that's like Skinnamarink a dinky doo, Skinnamarink a doo. I love you. Nah, nothing for you. Never heard. Wiggles, Wiggles went, went big in our house. Didn't, didn't pop off. Wow. Three kids more, and the Wiggles didn't hit. More ABC. Yeah, yeah. Lala's big time band was, what you know, pumping out, pumping out bangers. Yeah, wow. Good. And loads of ABC compilations. Yeah, wow. Okay. And then uh, clean versions of early Drake albums. <laughs> <The clean>. like, <laughs> <laughs> and that DJ Khaled song that has Alicia Keys and Nicki Minaj with like Nicki's best ever guest verse called Nobody Knows. Can I send this to you? Like, <laughs> and it's DJ Khaled like hosting this song on a DJ Khaled album that's about like the black experience for women and like Alicia Keys like marching on the warpath and DJ Khaled's like, yeah, man, I'm really about contemporary black feminism. <laughs> Another one for me. <laughs> okay, well, well, okay, so it's based on this song. Mm. But I think this is this is really important for the whole creation of this film because mm. it has like I was expecting a spooky version of this song, like a skin like something like that. Yeah. But according to the filmmaker, who is a first time director, Carl Edward Ball, mm. he just saw this song being sung by kids in like a really old black and white film and was like, that seems pretty spooky. In this interview I saw with him, he was like, nobody knows when it was written. But according to Wikipedia, it was written in 1910 and it literally lists the yeah. credits of it. But it's like technically, yeah, by that measure, no one knows anything. <laughs> but, you know, there are some sources that suggest things. Like, I don't know. But also, Wikipedia is post-truth, right? So, you, 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 can't, you can't be sure... And I think that's really important to but the- that's true of everything. Like, uh, that's a really lazy argument. Yeah, anyway. It, it's lazy, but it's not, it's not untrue. Yeah, <laughs> it, could right. <laughs> no, it could be true. It could be true. But anyway, like, the reason why I, I raise that is because mm. I think this film and, and why this film is powerful and why it's successful and why it has been successful and become like, mm. you know, an immediate sort of, well, not even an immediate cult hit, but has mm. generated this cult buzz mm. is because it seems to exist out of time. Like you, you, you almost, you made a point about how shit it looks because it's trying to look like a film from like the 80s or 90s where it's like, mm. we made films look better since then and you can make <laughs> films look better. Like there's a whole campaign by Apple that's like, shoot stuff on your iPhone, it'll look great. Like <laughs> you, 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 can, you can make films look good. But there's a, there's, it, it, it seems to exist anachronistically mm. in that space that horror films occupied in the 80s and the early 90s that I talked about where you couldn't just see something on demand. You couldn't hear something on demand. I mean, I think musically it's like, you would read about a song in a magazine 
and you couldn't just listen to it. You had to take the writer's word for it about how it sounded. Like music reviews were so important. And then you'd buy the album after reading a review and you'd be like, oh, it doesn't sound anything like I imagined it in my head. It was the same for film, right? So people would mm. tell you about things that happened in films and you just have to believe it. It'd be like, there's this doll and he comes alive from a voodoo curse and he starts oh, stabbing shit. people. And you'd be like, oh, my God, you can't put that in a movie. Anyway, so... This film kind of exists in that space in that nothing really that bad happens in it, but it was created by a guy who just ran a YouTube channel where he asked people to send in their nightmares and he'd create short videos about their nightmares. And he noticed this recurring nightmare about waking up in the middle of the night and someone or something else being in your house. And so he created a short film and then a feature-length film based on it that he called Skinnamarink. He only called it Skinnamarink. Skinnamarink was the working title and then just couldn't think of another title, so Skinnamarink stuck. Sort of hate that, but anyway. It's, 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 creativity is weird, right? Yeah. Or black off is weird, right? <laughs> but but so, so release this trailer, because he's like, like hyper online guy, release mm. the trailer on Reddit. The trailer was huge. Then because of the trailer, got picked up by some film festivals. Somebody leaked one of the, like, the, the screeners from a film festival and because of that, even though he was initially pissed off about it, people started sharing it online. People started sharing it on Reddit and stuff being like, have you seen this fucking movie? Like, oh, my God. And it Sick. got that proper word of mouth, scary feeling that 80s and 90s horror films did because it wasn't, it didn't have a big marketing campaign. It wasn't something that you just straight away, you just like went on to like, even though it's available on Shutter now, you couldn't just go on to Shutter and just stream it. Yeah. It, 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 it. It was something that just felt a bit almost like real and scary and secret and sick. And so it garnered this following. So to your point about how shit it looks, it had a budget of $15,000 and that's Whoa. like, that's like 2022, $15,000. It's. What does that even buy? Like we've spoken about this before. <laughs> like catering for like a camera operator, a director, <laughs> two actors for a week or so. Surely yeah. that's like $500 or something, $1,000. So it was shot in his, um, uh, childhood home so i think that okay. saved some of the money so we don't pay the parents rent so we'd take that for free yeah okay i don't know how to do a budget but yeah even then 15 grand is not a lot of money so we I presumably we just exploit the child actor who appears to be in the film we just don't pay them in you know in the advertising world if a client came to you with a fifteen thousand dollar budget unless you're like a really tiny agency it's almost like that's kind of not even worth our time it's kind of like what would we do with fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> so there's this awful thing where like there's no debt worth instructing a lawyer of any kind to chase like under about 500 grand that's not like a waste of money it's it's some amount of like unless it's more than 500 grand not really worth getting into a tangle about which is a real grim like reality so yeah no, i feel you right so so mm. so yeah so so this film you know now exists in this awesome space where people are talking about it people are sharing online so now i'm getting emails from my local uh, coolsy sort of hipster cinema being like, we've got Skinnamarink late night sessions. You've heard about this film, now come see it in the cinema. So it's yes, now sir. getting this life in cinema because of this cult following that developed online from people sharing it like they used to back in the day. I think it's so, like, I think it's really that exciting really for cool. that reason. It's everything Antrim wanted to be. It's everything Antrim wanted to be. Now, like <laughs> Antrim, it's basically unwatchable. So it's and and let 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 me put like I went to art school so I can properly mm. tell you I think this film is important and 
interesting mm. and also unwatchable and super boring. James Joyce's Ulysses, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's those two things at the same time to the point where, mm. and look, I, I didn't do this the proper way. I watched the first 15 minutes properly like uh, immersed in it because everyone's like, just just turn off your phone, turn off the lights, just sit down and experience this film. I did that for 15 minutes and I was so fucking bored that I then second screened it and did some work. And because I did that, I had no idea what was happening. So thank God this Wikipedia plot synopsis (laughs) exists. And you know what's weird? I, I read this Wikipedia plot synopsis and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember a line of dialogue about that. I remember this. But I'm like, I'm amazed that anyone constructed this story based on what they saw in this film. There was a rule in our house growing up that my parents would occasionally put on like an old movie and be like, don't worry, you don't have to watch the whole thing. We do have to watch the first 30 minutes. Then after the first 30 minutes, like, it's fine. You don't have to watch anymore. And they were like, these films are so sick. They're, they're, you know, obviously, they're getting hooked. And, like, there'd always be fights of, like, the moment. Because it's VCR, you just watch the time click over to 30 minutes. And, like, fucking peace. Like, we're gone. <laughs> My poor parents. It broke, their, it broke their hearts a little bit. So, yeah, like, I fully empathize with you. be like, no, no, shag. Immerse yourself in the whole experience. It's like, nah, fuck that. I'm, I'm gone. Oh, man. Okay. Well, look, to, to set the stage for this film, mm. you saw the trailer. Mm. The whole film looks like that. It is sort of uh, out of focus or weird angle shots where you see, like, the corner of a roof or half of a chair, maybe a couple of little kids' legs. Hate it. How long is it? Oh my god, it's like a hundred minutes. It's so oh long. Oh my god. Yes, yes, for an entire film. Oh fucking hell. It's not even the doesn't even have the decency to be like 79 minutes long. There's dialogue, but it's often indecipherable dialogue from <sighs> I don't know how old the actors were, but from a four and a six-year-old. So it'll often be like, I think there's something upstairs. I I'm I'm gonna Go upstairs. Imagine, imagine a whole film oh, where you can't really say. <laughs> but to the credit of the film, mm. there is something about the old school filming sounds that, like, there's a lot of atmos in this film. There's not a lot of music. Those kid voices and those weird obscured angles and not being able to quite see something. You know what the filmmaker said they were trying to do is, especially when you're a kid. When things are dark and you kind of make out shapes that aren't there and you kind of see a face in the wall or you see, you know, a shadow of something by your door. Basically, Mm. he was trying to do that with every single shot in the film. And I think that's successful. It's also fucking boring to watch for 100 minutes. Oh, my God. Man, his friends would have had to watch it first to be like, hey, guys, I just made a film. Why don't you come around to my house? And But but can you imagine, again, being really young, it being like the early 90s, watching this with friends, someone had been like, hey, have you heard about this fucked up film that's about these kids that get like locked in a house with like some evil entity? I don't know. Let's watch it. And you just sit there. I think under the right circumstances, this could have an amazing impression on you. Yeah, fair. And I love my circumstances of going back in time 30 years. <laughs> in like an impossible scenario. All right. Okay. So this is Skinnamarink from 2022. It begins. Oh, it's all set in 1995. Because he wanted it to have that look of, like, VCR footage and old school filming footage. Okay, so in 1995, four-year-old Kevin injures himself in what his six-year-old sister Kaylee says is a sleepwalking incident. I don't remember. Like, I don't know how we know this. I can't. I watched the first 15 minutes of this film. But anyway, (laughs) Kevin is then taken to a hospital and brought back home. 
The father calls someone and tells them that the hospital didn't need to give Kevin stitches and he only hit his head. Sometime later, the two siblings... My God, like already this is, in, this is sort of poor. Like, <laughs> the father calls someone and then sometime later... Okay, sorry. So the two siblings wake up in the middle of the night to find their father has seemingly disappeared and that the windows, doors and other objects in their house are gradually vanishing as well, which is actually pretty scary. That's a great central conceit and fucking terrifying. Yep. And, it's, and it's really terrifying because you experience it through kids. Like I said before, when I talk about Golden Child and the thing that terrifies me the most is there's no way they would have that immediate panic that I would have if something like that happened because they're not used to bad things happening or bad mm. things that bad happening. So, or they don't really have the exposure to bad things, the possibility of bad things like that happening. So at first they're like, where's, you see daddy? Where's, where's daddy? He's, should we go downstairs? So like, it's, it's like the, the gradual realization that something's wrong is pretty creepy and quite enjoyable. Kevin shows Kaylee that the toilet in the downstairs bathroom has disappeared. Kaylee accompanies Kevin to the upstairs bathroom. She sees a doll on a bedroom ceiling and Kevin returns to tell her that he is too frightened to use the toilet. Yeah, there's a moment where it cuts to a doll on the ceiling. It's like, I feel like every cheap horror film's like, how do we make the most of our budget? Scary doll in a place it's not supposed to be. <laughs> Seriously, think about it. It's in, And it was in, I, I always think about Gonjiem Haunted Asylum because there's that yeah. moment with the doll that has really no bearing on anything. It's something like dolls are scary, clowns are scary. Of yeah. like you just kind of accept it. Like yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. I guess they're pretty scary. Like, it's yeah, horror. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It's it's horror movie visual language. It's like mm. oh, I'm supposed to be scared. Yeah. There's Ooh. a doll. <laughs> All right. Okay. They decide to place two buckets in the downstairs bathroom so they can go to the toilet there and not have to go upstairs where it's scary. A mysterious voice calls to Kaylee from the darkness, telling her to come upstairs. Now, I guess the thing how, is- like it's, how, how long into the movie are we now? Are we like five minutes in? Like no, nah, we're like 45 in? minutes in. Like okay, it's a, cool. But what's, re- what's really confusing as well is because there's all these different voices, it's hard to tell the kids apart, but it's also kind of hard to tell when it's the scary voice. Sound design is one of the most important parts of good horror filmmaking, Shag. Isn't yeah. that right? Uh, yeah, but I don't think 15 grand buys you like- Buys you a friend who's like, I'll do it. I'm like- Oh, that's really true. Oh. <laughs> uh. Okay, so Kaylee heads upstairs while Kevin remains downstairs. In a bedroom, she sees their father, who tells her to look under the bed. She does so but does not see anything. She then goes back up and sees their mother sitting on the opposite side of the bed. Her mother tells Kaylee that they love her and Kevin and instructs her to close her eyes, and when she opens her eyes, she's gone. She then looks at the pitch-black open closet and hears her mother say, There's someone here. From the closet, she hears her mother calling out her name, as well as moans of pain and breaking bones. Now, again, I was second screening it, but I remember at this point being like, I've got no idea. Like, it was kind of scary, but because I didn't really understand who or what was talking or what was happening, it was just a sequence of scary images. I was going to say, it's exactly that. It's a selection of sort of non-contextual like non secretary, just like, yeah, it's pretty scary to have people disappear. It's pretty scary to hear bones breaking. <laughs> pretty scary to hear some screams. Let's, let's throw it all in and see how we go. So Kaylee returns downstairs and Kevin asks her what happened, only for mm. her to respond with asking Kevin to help her move the couch. Kaylee and Kevin then push the couch to block off the hallway from which the voice was calling to her. Kevin falls asleep and the voice calls to Kaylee again. Again, this is one of those great 
Wikipedia synopsis is that's spooking me out probably more than the film. Yeah, like, nice. I'm yeah, glad I'm, I'm reading this. Yeah, yeah I'm it's a bit spooky, right? It's a bit tingly. Mm. When Kevin wakes up, he calls out for her twice, but she does not reply. Lego <sighs> bricks, and it turns out these Lego bricks were just toys. All, all the sets and all the props were just stuff he had from mm. his childhood bedrooms. Lego bricks, VHS tapes, and other toys and objects are suspended against a wall. Kind of like, you know, when you see a... I, I'm using this frame of reference because every morning Golden Child and I do a walk around the block with our dog and there's mm. like there's like a local apiary. Is that a beekeeper, yeah, apiarist? Birds, birds, no, no, that's AV. I, I think it's apiarist. Yeah, okay, I'll take I it. I'll you. But anyway, yeah, there's cool. a local beekeeper and they've recently downsized from two big square hives to one. And it mm. used to be you didn't really see any bees, but now there's always like a wall of bees on the side of one in the morning. and that's kind of how I picture the way that these these toys are on the wall. It's like yeah, how yeah. You, when you see bees hugging a wall. Anyway, the voice calls to Kevin, beckoning him to the basement where he sees Kaylee. And this is like the big spooky, like everybody talks about. So this is the big moment that everybody right. that everybody talked about, like it being built up to in the film, mm. right? So you finally see Kaylee. You've only seen her legs or a little or a whisper of her like hair or shoulder or, or, you know, something up until now. You finally see her and she no longer has any eyes or mouth. And it's it's not the most expensive effect I've ever seen. So it's a little bit dulled because I think it's like shitty CGI rather than practical effects, which probably would have been a lot creepier and a lot spookier. But anyway, after he returns upstairs, Kevin hears the mysterious voice calling to him again, telling him that it wants to play as some of the toys in the house begin to disappear. A drawer opens in the kitchen, and Kevin complies with the voice's command that he insert a knife into one of his eyes. Okay. Yeah, it, 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 gets, it gets wild. But, but, but keep in mind, you don't see any of this, and you just hear little bits of things. But you can also see how this, this becomes like a real cult, spooky object, yeah. where it's like you kind of have to work hard to decipher the story. Anyway... Kevin picks up a telephone and calls 911. Oh, my God, this is really full on. He whispers to the operator that he was cut with a knife and he feels sick. And the operator, like, is kind of trying to glean what's happening. And he can't really explain it, but he's basically like, I I feel sick. I've hurt myself. It's, like, it's pretty heartbreaking. The operator tells him to stay on the line and that adults will be on their way to help. The operator then asks why he is whispering if there is someone else in the room with him and where he is in the house. Kevin says that he is downstairs and the doors have disappeared before dropping the phone. The phone turns into a chatter telephone toy and the voice claims responsibility for doing so, telling Kevin that it can do anything. It says that Kaylee did not do as it told her. She said she wanted her parents, so it took away her mouth. It tells Kevin to come upstairs and he obeys. Holding a flashlight, he finds himself on the ceiling. He walks into a bedroom, which becomes a void. Again, I, I guess this happens. This is good nightmare stuff, though. Like, 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 like this actually follows nightmare rules, doesn't it? Yeah, and I love this story. Yeah. Like, I, I, I imagine, like, a remake with a bigger budget and maybe someone helping the director a little bit could be phenomenal. Anyway, we then get a sign that says 507. We, sorry, we then get a shy, a shy, uh, like, a, like a heading that says 572 days later. We see a pile of toys sitting in a seemingly endless hallway. So this is like the first cool effect where there's this pile of toys sitting in a hallway, but the camera draws back 
and it just keeps drawing back and back until the toys are in the distance and it feels like the hallway goes on forever. A figure is seen sitting on the side of a bed and slowly fades away. Photos of people with missing facial features appear in the darkness. Kevin cries out as blood splatters onto the floor. This was like a dumb effect. I was like, why are we... Sh-? Like, it was like the moment there was actually... There's a bit where he cries and you see blood splatter, but then there's a quick cut that cuts off his scream. And it was just a bit like, what? 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 Why? And also, it's been so many days. Anyway. Uh, it's been a year, like nearly two years. Well, uh, yeah. Anyway, then we see the blood splatter repeatedly as we hear Kevin scream for his mother. Kevin asks if he can watch something happy. A door appears in the darkness and later an indistinct face. The face tells Kevin to go to sleep. Kevin asks for its name and it doesn't reply. Peach, that's the end of Skin and Rink. Yeah, so I, like, I got a bit pumped there for, for a while. I do think there's the bare bones of a very good idea. Right, right. Like yeah. this is what I say. Like I think, and I think what it does in an age where it's kind of impossible to have that scary mm. passed down from older brother and older siblings feeling. Yeah. It does that as a film. And when you read that, I kind of want to go back and watch this film, even though I know the experience will be unwatchable. It's frustrating. that Those, those sort of near misses, it's not quite a swing for the fence moonshot sort of scenario, but it is a like reasonably interesting conception. And you do get that nightmare feeling of, you know, jumping between events that aren't, particularly logically linked of like, oh, fuck, now I'm here. Like, oh, fuck, now no one's got any yeah. eyes or face. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is the shit that's disappeared yeah. that, that was yeah. in the nightmare a moment ago. Did, does the song come in at all? Or it's just no, the no, title? no. Yeah, okay. The whole time I was expecting mm. because there, there's this other, there's this, uh, you know, at the, at the beginning it mm. has this big label that says all of the films and TV shows shown in this film or like all of the cartoons shown in this film or something are past copyright. Outside of copyright, yeah. Are yeah. outside of copyright and can be displayed freely. And so that they're often watching these like old timey cartoons on the How screen. How much did they pay for the legal advice? Was that in the 15 <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? Skinamarinkidinkidoo, skinamarinkidoo, ah.